0: Hi, everyone, welcome to the Brown History Podcast. My name is Essen, and this is episode 20. On today's episode, we're going to explore the life and works of the late Kashmiri American poet, Aga Shahid Ali. And our guest today is writer and translator Manan Kapoor, who just released an extensive biography on Shahid Ali titled A Map of Longings. Honestly, amazing book. I could not put it down. I highly, highly recommend it. Usually, I give a little background information before every episode just to give listeners a little context before they start the episode. But this episode is pretty self-explanatory. It's also 3 in the morning and I am exhausted editing this episode, so yeah. Anyways, if you're enjoying this episode and you're enjoying Brown History Podcast and the Brown History Instagram page and you want to help out and you want to support it, then please consider being a Patreon. Just visit Podcast.com. Your help goes a long, long way. Let's start this
1: episode. Here we go
0: for doing this it's, a, it's an honor to talk
1: yeah, to you it's a pleasure to be uh, speaking with you really I yeah. really
0: really really loved your book I could not put it down it was so fascinating and I'm not even okay, a am yeah? not even a poem guy but when I read that book okay. it was just fascinating to see not just like the poems and not just about him, but also just like the history of South Asia through poetry, the the, the process it takes to translate right,
1: right, into right. English,
0: Fez Ahmed Fez, uh, right. all these English poets. This I don't know. It was just really, really fascinating. And I can't wait to go back right. and read all his poems. Um, Right. Yeah.
1: And I'm glad we like the book.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's giving me a little anxiety because I don't want to, I want this episode to give the book justice. (laughs) Right,
1: right. No, no. I mean, I'm sure.
0: I guess my first question would be, you know, why, what made him so special and why did you pick him to kind of dedicate two, three years writing about him?
1: Shahid was a very special poet for me personally, because when I started reading his poems, it was, uh, it was unlike anything I'd ever read. So when I started reading Shahid's poetry, when I was 15 or 16, I think it had a very major impact on me because the poems that we were reading at school were completely different. Um, those were English poets who were talking about the sun and spring and stuff like that, you know. And Shahid was sort of the first poet who really made uh, sense to me in terms of, because his language reflected the, Southeast, the South Asian experience in so many ways, right? But as I started reading more, I realized one thing that, well, you had this poet and he writes beautiful and wonderful poetry but uh the more i read about his life i think that's what really like uh led me to i mean you know write his biography and like do two or three years of research and uh put in all this work because i think shahid des- like his life deserved to be celebrated he was really someone special because he wasn't just an interesting person but also the sort of like irreverent uh person who would like crack all these dark jokes and uh I mean, when it, the more I started reading about his life, the more I think like it, it demanded to be written about. It was one of those things, you know. So, in so many ways, and I think this is the—I mean, this is a sentiment that a lot of uh, young readers of Shahid's poetry from this continent share. That um, not only what he, was he a good poet, but also the anecdotes from his life, and in so many ways, how he was an embodiment of his work, and all that comes through. Uh, in his poetry and I think a lot of young people from uh, South Asia like uh, really relate to all of that and the journey I mean his process of dealing with the English language and how he enriched it and all of that so I think for me like it was he was the one who stood out really because I mean there are other poets as well uh, if you look at A.K. Raman, e. Ramanajan and Anu who I think I've mentioned in the book as well but uh for me I think Shahid like really stood out and he was someone i could relate to whose poetry i could like read and respond to for the first time like when i was 15 16 so i think you know it's it's been quite a few years since i started reading child's works actually yeah
0: he grew up in south asia in a very kind of multicultural multi-religious uh environment and then he moved to the states to study and to teach he considered himself exile but he really wasn't exile
1: a lot of poets from india actually moved to uh, from this continent have moved to the u.s to teach there and pursue their careers uh, in the u.s uh, for example there's uh, as i mentioned like a.k ramanujan spent a lot of time in the u.s and he wrote there but i think in shahid's case he he called himself an exile and to some extent that was uh, you know what they call uh, poet speak uh, but uh, to some degree, it was also the fact that uh, when he moved to the US in uh, 1975 in December, uh, he didn't come back to this continent for about I think eight years, and that was a really long spell because uh, he was there and uh, he was constantly reading poetry, he was doing his PhD and all of that, and he was comfortable in the US. But in so many ways, uh, that was the first time that he spent time away from home on his own, and uh, I think. That plus, I think, you know, the fact that he was constantly like uh, thinking about Kashmir, thinking about home, his childhood and, uh, you know, all the uh, all the anecdotes and instances. I think that really like shaped his poetry because for the first time he could look back at home and, you know, memory came into play. So when you look at a poem like uh, Postcard from Kashmir, all of that stems from memory and from that, you know, Exilic feeling, even though it's not really an exile, he was never banished from a nation state or like uh you know a country or any, anything of that sort, but it was more of a you know feeling that he had imposed on himself so that you know this 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 uh, language could develop this because in, in in a lot of ways like i mean when you look at someone like Fez and uh, when Shai had moved to the u s no one had heard of Fez Ahmed Fez. no. And for him, that was a you know big thing for because he'd grown up listening to Fez. Fez was the biggest poet like, that he knew of. Uh, he was, his poems uh, were recited at his home, Begum Akhtar, who he absolutely loved. She sang his guzzles, uh, but when he moved to the US he realized that no one really knew about pez uh, Ahmed pez, And that came as a shock to him. So in a lot of ways, uh, the landscape of American poetry was also Alien to Shahid and that was something that he tried to enrich through his language, through all the metaphors, and uh, you know this continental experience that he brought, and which later, I mean, eventually like developed in his language. And now, I mean, it's it's um, when you look at like how he transformed the Gazel. I think, I think all of the all of those things stem from memory and like all the you know how he placed himself as an exile, even though he was not. So really, because in in so many interviews, uh, when you read about Shahid's, uh you know when people question him well you're never you're not really an exile so why do you call yourself an exile and I think that's where he really starts talking about it and says that well I'm not but in so many ways that in the world right now when you're moving when uh, you're in a different place you're not home you feel like an exile so I mean that's that's yeah so that was and I think it shaped his poetry in so many ways so that was the most important thing here um, this this exilic feeling that he sort of imposed on himself yeah
0: well what when he was translating yeah. Fe, there's this chapter about him translating Fez's poems and right you know you kind of explain how hard it is for someone who doesn't speak the language to translate the poems if I ever want to read somebody from South Asia should I be looking for translators who know the language
1: I think the most important thing is that you read translators whose first language is English so supposedly you're, you're reading poems in English right so yeah I think the most important thing is that you read the translations by the translators who whose first language is English because that adds in a lot of things. Uh, Naomi Lazad and Victor Kiernan had translated first but there's yeah that's that's another thing there's another aspect to it it's it's, it's really like a very complex thing where you need to understand the, you know, the, the really small things about suppose say a language like Urdu, where uh, the term can mean two things, which is the pain that you've caused and the pain that you feel. So when a Western translator is translating Fez, they will not know that they, they might not be aware of, uh, of this duality of, uh, of of the term, that it can mean two things. And a lot of Urdu and Persian poetry plays on this like duality and like you know uh, if you look at someone like Pez he talks about the beloved but the beloved could be anything from God to uh, you know to revolution so that's something that translators really need to understand so I think and it's really hard for like you know when you're translating like uh, because there is a lot of cultural context so suppose say tomorrow you want to read Fairs, I think Shahid would be the perfect person because he is a poet of the English language, but his roots are there in uh, a language which he knows, which he's grown up with, which he understands. So, and I think that's the case where uh, most of the trans- i mean, all of the good translations that I feel that are good, mm-hmm. good trans- translations, I think I think that's the case where the person, the translator, is a poet or a writer in the English language, the language that I'm reading, but they understand the language where it's coming from. So I think that's really essential in the entire process. And because when you read Child's poems, he wanted to, like he he'd said that Naomi Lazard and Bithikian, uh, and they had in fact done a good job with the translation of uh, affairs, but they'd failed to capture his emotional excitement, which is something only a South Asian will understand to to, to some extent because when you recite Fez's uh, poems, you can hear that. You can hear the rhythms. You can hear the sound of the poem. And to really recapture that and like to really like uh, bring it out in the English language, well, you, you need a translator who knows and understands uh, Fez's poetry in uh, Urdu. Mm. And I mean, this is one instance in the book where I talk about uh, the translations of Mirza Ghalib uh, done by W. S. Mervin and Adrian Rich. There, Shahid says completely something, something completely different that Mervin Mervin translated the couplet, uh, and he achieved something that no one had ever done. He'd he'd done it so well, but Mervin would never know that because Mervin can never understand uh, the original Urdu. So, yeah. a translator who's translating from a language which the translator doesn't understand, uh, I think they'll never know. Uh, you know. How good a job they've done. Uh, so I think it's a really, I mean, it's it sounds really complex, but when you come to it, when you when you when you really like start reading about it it, it, it is very simple. So I think it's there are a lot of factors at play here. So I think in picking translations, I think the best thing that one can do is go for translators who are writers and poets of the language you're reading. And that's the most important thing I feel, really.
0: He wanted to, uh, Shahid wanted to kind of write poems that didn't really involve himself. Like he wanted to kind of keep a separation between, if I'm right, if I'm not sure, but he wanted to keep a separation yeah. between his like personal life or his politics. And he wanted to keep the poem separate. So I think because he wanted everyone to kind of understand the poem in their own way and not make it very specific, yeah. right?
1: Well, to some extent, yes. But I think, I mean, in a lot of cases, like when you read a collection, like The Country Without a Post Office, his politics is very much present there, even though he cons- he, he, he'd He said very clearly that I don't consider myself a political poet. Yeah. But there is a lot of politics. There is a lot of politics. Meaning, even when you look at a collection, yeah, even when you look at a collection like The uh, uh, "A Nostalgous Map of America, which were, which includes poems that he'd written in Tucson while he was there, uh, he talks about the Bisbee Deportation of 1917, where... Uh, you know, I think I think minors were sent away uh, from uh, the camp and uh, their wives were left, uh, and the wives and children were left uh in the town and they were deported and eventually like there was a huge like you know, sort of like uh, uh, issue about it. But the Americans really don't like to talk about this issue. But when Chahead went there, he discovered this and he felt that he must write about it. And that's the case uh with country without a post office because I think Cha I mean Chahid came from Uh, Kashmir and that was a very important part uh, in his poetry uh, because when he was writing uh, Half and Chamalayas Kashmir was a very uh, I mean he used Kashmir as a very different it it was the idea of home that he was trying to explore but by the time you reach the 90s I think uh, all that was going on in Kashmir really impacted Shahid so there is a lot of politics in his poetry but there are things which he thought that he I mean he really just wasn't interested in uh, exploring as a poet For example, when, when, uh, I mean, there's a lot of talk about Shahid's sexuality. Yeah. But the fact is that Shahid was never interested in exploring his uh, sexual identity as a poet. In fact, he once said that, uh, you know, he wanted the readers to respond to the fullness of his poetry, not because he was from a particular background. So, I mean, he was very, there are things which uh, he has written about, and there are things which he chose not to write about. Yeah. And I feel like in a lot of ways, Shahid, I mean, really uh, developed like his politics towards as he grew. Um, I mean, I've compared him to the likes of like Cesar Vallejo and Pairs, and, Pairs and, yeah, and Switzos, who were all like poets of injustice. And Shahid, like them, was a poet of injustice, but also a poet of witness. His name meant two things, which he beautifully captures in that couplet. Uh, that says uh, they asked me to tell them what shahid means. Listen, listen, it means beloved in Persian, witness in Arabic. So he really played with both of these aspects really well. Uh, so he he explored the you know the the beloved, uh, the the relationship between the beloved and the lover in his poetry, especially in his ghazals. But he was also a witness who 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 saw like his homeland being ravaged by war and conflict and. Uh, I mean, he ended up writing about it and it's one of the um, most famous collections uh, that have been that, that's inspired so many people in Kashmir to write and young writers and poets. So I think that is a really important like uh, thing to understand about Shahid, that there was a separation. Yes, but I think he was tuned in a way where if he saw injustice, he would respond to it. He was taught that from a very young age. So that was very important uh, to him.
0: He, he, I'm surprised he didn't talk about being gay because he, he lived through the AIDS epidemic in the US and and right. you know, South Asian culture is very conservative and being, being gay in that kind of environment is really, really tough. So I'm surprised he didn't talk about that. When you Google him, you don't... You and he see... wrote
1: a poem about AIDS, actually. Uh, really? in, in, in a poem, yeah. In, in, in Search of Evanescence, he talks about AIDS and he talks about his friend, uh, Philip right. Orlando. Right. Uh, who had died because of uh, complications due to AIDS. Uh, so he addressed that. But I mean, when it came to his private life, his wasn't he was really interested in, ex- in exploring, yeah, his love life, his private life. He liked to keep it very private. Yeah. So, because in Child's case, like, I mean, when you look at someone like a James Merrill, um, he had two partners one was Peter Houghton and David Jackson. And uh, They, I mean, they were a big part of James Merrill's life, whereas when it comes to Shahid, uh, I don't think he had any lovers or long-term relationships because there aren't any, like, you know, I mean, I've spoken with his family, with almost all of his friends, and he liked to keep his private life very private in that way. Okay. So, and no one's, I mean, really come forward over the past, like 20, 30 years, like claiming to be his lover or anything. So it's, it's really like a question of what's, well, I mean, what was he trying to do with his poetry? So he had this entire poetic persona where he had concerns, right? That he wanted to explore as a poet and there were concerns that he didn't feel that he was interested in. So, I mean, it really comes down to that.
0: He taught in the U.S. What was he like as a teacher, as a professor?
1: He was really harsh. I mean, when it came to teaching, he was extremely harsh. He'd once said, uh, I think a student came to him with a poem and I think Shahid read the line and he like immediately, like he responded saying that this line should be put on a wall and shot. So, I mean, he was very harsh that way. And uh, I mean, he demanded a lot from his students. So uh, Kamila Shamsi, one of his students, uh, and I mean, the famous novelist, right? She... Uh, was Shahid student at Hamilton and she remembers that one time Shahid brought in a New York Times article and said that you had to write a poem using um, words that appeared in this article. So he was really trying to bind them in form and like he would teach them so many poets. He, he taught them poets from uh, South Asia, he taught uh, poets from the West and you know he was exploring all these different forms and he was so into language that he wanted them to like you know develop this sort of thing where they would have a sort of reaction the moment they hear a word so he wanted them to really become aware of language in that way and I think he was a really harsh teacher and uh but I mean ultimately did a lot of good to all his students and uh I've talked to about two or three people who studied under Shahid, and you know all of them said have said that we've I mean, that's something like, you know, that experience was something that taught us so much. And we came out and, like changed. And, you know, the, the, how we saw the world, how we approached our work, how we uh, approached language itself. And so Shahid as a teacher was, uh, yeah. And a lot of them, I, I, I think it comes from like, you know, he was trying to sort of like um, push them towards, uh, you know, the most difficult things, like, you know, trying a, poetic form like the gazelle or trying a canzone. So things like those because I think he, he really believed that if you've mastered like those aspects you can then freely write in a lot of ways that if you if you've sort of achieved uh, you know the the level at which uh, poets like James Merrill were fun- functioning, if you've really understood what they're trying to do, how they're trying to do it, I think that was very important to him. He was trying to inculcate all of that, into their, you know, world and how they approach literature. So yeah. Yeah, he was really but he was really harsh, yes. He, he yes. was teaching he yeah. was teaching
0: a, a young generation of new writers and poets, but also at the same time he was teaching he was trying to explain to his peers and his colleagues the true format of a ghazal and, and how it should be right. written. And right. he's right. trying to create this movement of trying to bring ghazals into American Western society. Can you can you elaborate on that? And did he achieve success in that?
1: So I think when Shahid came to the U.S. in 75, he discovered the translations of uh, Mirza Ghalib, which were commissioned by a Pakistani critic, Ajaz Ahmed. And he provided American poets with the uh, transliterations uh, of the Urdu Ghazal. And the translators were American poets who didn't know Urdu. So, Adrin Rich, W.S. Mervyn, David Ray, they all ended up translating the Ghazals, except they didn't use the form. And the Ghazal has a very strict form where there is an end rhyme, there is a refrain, there is a meter. I mean, there are based elements which you know form a real guzzle, what Child calls a real guzzle. Um, but his, his his problem really wasn't with the translations, but that the fact that poets like Adrian Rich and Phyllis Webb and Jim Harrison had started writing guzzles, but they weren't really using the form. So when he came to the US and he realized that this was going on, uh, I mean A lot of people say that, well, he had a problem with this because it was like sort of cultural appropriation, this, that. But really, the question, I mean, his, his approach was very different. I mean, he didn't think it was cultural appropriation or anything. He thought that he really believed that if American poets, Western poets really understood the form and all they could do with it, they could work wonders. So really, his attempt was to try and explain the form to them. To explain what it what could what could be done with the form, what it could do. Uh, I mean, Shahid, I think in one of the yeah yeah, I think in one of his uh, essays, he called it. You know, he said that you almost have to become a slave to the form, and then you you have to basically try to like master the master. So that is really what's what's at work, uh, what's at play in uh, Agasal, and I think uh, he he drew to so many poets. Uh, he, he didn't know them and he would write, them le- write letters to them saying, well, listen, I don't know you, but here is a form that uh, comes from like, well, I mean, you know, it's, it's there in uh, South Asia and it comes from like uh, Arabic and Persian and this and that. And why don't you try? it? And eventually, like uh, so many poets ended up like writing uh, the Qazil and, you know, he gave them instructions as to what has to be done. The kafia, the the various elements of the ghazal, and uh, eventually, like Shahid ended up with an anthology of ghazals written by American poets uh, called uh, "The Ravish, Ravishing Disunities And in so many ways, he's transformed uh, uh, ghazal writing in uh, English language, and it's had what you call a pizza effect, right? Um, ghazals were primarily written and uh, you know sung in. Uh, Urdu and yeah. Persian and the Indian subcontinent. But it was only after Shahid started writing uh, ghazals in English. Now it's come back, I think, after a decade. And people in India who are English poets have started exploring the form in English. And I mean, I remember I was speaking with one of Shahid's friends who also happens to be the director of an MFA program at uh, University of Iowa. Um, and he said that, like, you know, the ghazal has become such an integral part of all the MFA courses that it's taught in literally like all of the uh, universities now as a poetic form. And uh, Shahid has to be is the one who has to be credited for all of that because he really made an effort uh, to try and explain the form, the intricacies, and uh, how it has to be done, and what what they can achieve with the form because. I mean, most of uh, the Western poet, most of I mean, most of Western poetry is written primarily in free verse. Whereas, when you approach uh, your subjects uh, using a form like the ghazal, uh, it it gives you this sort of freedom as well, uh, even though it's like you know putting all these restrictions uh, on you with all these formal demands. So, I think it was a form that he really wanted to explore. And I think you know uh, the fact that he was so close to Begum Akhtar. And he really admired her singing and uh, the the guzzle that she would sing, I think. She was the one who really like made him appreciate the form and explore it. And so there is this like sort of like this unity uh, in in the ghazal where one couplet could be about God. The next couplet could be about, you know, your lover. the Third could be a political, uh, you know, you could explore something political in that. So, but it was all, uh, it all came together. With the refrain which would be similar in all the guzzles and I think that is what basically Shahid wanted to explore and like you know uh, inform the western readers and the poets that this is the form and this is what you can do with it and now I mean I think a lot of American poets are experimenting with the form and they've really explored the form so I mean the other day I was um, reading an article by an American poet who I think read Shahid's guzzles in prison and He really responded to the couplet uh, where Shahid calls himself a witness to the extent that he changed his name to Shahid in prison uh, to reflect his position as a witness. So, I mean, that's the impact Shahid has had on, um, you know, poets in the West. So I think he's really done like a wonderful job and he's really like uh, popularized the form for uh, the entire world
0: i discovered Shaid a few years ago so but was Shaid always on the yeah. map was he always very popular from the beginning um
1: from when he moved to the us
0: when did he move? when he started publishing his books in the us was he did he was he big or did he just get is he getting bigger and bigger after his death he's
1: getting bigger now because when he moved to the us uh that was in 75 right yeah. and it wasn't until i think and he was doing his phd and his he was constantly writing poetry but uh, I think Half and Chimalayas came out in 1987 and that's when I think people really started responding to Shayat's poetry. It was this really unique language that he used and even someone like James Merrill was uh, very uh, fond of his poetry and you know the way he wrote. So there was like l- critical acclaim and all of that and I think eventually uh Over the next couple of years, by the time, like, you know, the 90s, uh, he started writing uh, The Country Without a Post Office. Shahid was a very popular poet and a very popular professor and teacher as well because he taught so many people and he was really in demand that way. Yeah. Uh, But no, honestly, after his death, I think, uh, I mean, Shahid has become extremely popular and he, I think, I think he's one of the few poets from the subcontinent who, has this sort of like response even so many after years after his death now so I think that way um, I mean, because when I was growing up I'd, I mean I remember reading uh, a lot of the poets from India but I could never like relate to them and this is the case with so many young readers I have received like I think uh, 12 or 13 messages from you know 17 18 year old girls, girls and boys saying that well we read one essay about Shahid, then we explored his poetry, and now we're really like responding to him. So that way, I think Shahid has now like become very, very popular. Uh, I think he's one of the most quoted poets on Twitter uh, wow. from from the subcontinent. So yeah, that's that's really uh, yeah.
0: He's he's very accessible because someone like me who grew up in Canada who who does who didn't know all these classical poems and poets and don't really understand have a hard time understanding. Right. Shaid kind of has, Shaid and your book actually is like a nice gateway to this huge (laughs) world of, of, you know, Fez and all these poets and guzzle singers, which, you know, and I can kind of like, it makes it easier for me to kind of access these, this, this world, this beautiful world. And Shaid, he's very, you know, he's, he comes from the South Asian subcontinent, but at the same time he writes in English and he, and he studied in the States. So he's kind of like. In a space where he can kind of connect with everybody in every level.
1: Right. No, definitely. Because, I mean, Shahid, I mean, one, because he wrote in English primarily. Yeah. I mean, I mean, English was his, he considered English his first language. So that way he's, he's accessible to, I mean, I think most of the world, uh, most of the English speaking world. So, and the fact that he brings this, you know, language and this uh, all these like cultural contexts and stuff like that in his poetry and all of that really like you know comes through and the language that he uses the subjects that he uh, sort of explores in his uh, poems i think yeah. that's the reason for his like appeal uh, primarily yeah yeah because yeah. i mean as an english language poet uh, i mean in the 70s when he was in india i think there wasn't a lot of scope at that time to be very honest. And uh, that was one of the reasons that Chai had moved to the US because he considered English his first language. And uh, that was the language he wrote his first poem in when he was nine years old. And I think that was one of the major reasons uh, that Chai had moved to the United States. And yeah, I mean, really, that's really like uh, made his poetry accessible to a lot of people and uh, all that he exposed through Um, his poems, yeah.
0: If someone listening wants to start reading his work, what poem collection do you think they should
1: start with? Hmm. I I really think, um, I mean, I really think one should pick up The Whale Suite, which is his collected works, right? So it includes poems from all the collections. And I would suggest that they go through in a chronological order, because um, the way this uh, the the collected works has been set up is that accessible poems that he wrote uh, in the 70s when he was still in Delhi or uh, you know and and these poems are really like the poems that I I mean I I grew up with so a poem like a poem like Stationery uh, Shahid actually called these poems uh, crowd pleasers I mean they were really at at poetry readings they were meant to reel the audience in before he started reading like his his uh, Uh, you know the not the better works but sort of the the more complex poems and stuff like that so these these were really simple poems so a poem like stationery or uh, or or maybe uh, there's one cremation and like there's uh, a rehearsal for loss and these are really simple poems but I mean you can really like see what Shahid's trying to do with the language with how he's written it with the effect that it has on you and then slowly I think one can like start approaching like a collection I mean because I, I really I, I know for a fact that and this is something that a lot of people have told me that when you pick up a collection like Rooms Are Never Finished which was his final collection like without reading any of his other poems it's really I mean uh, I mean for for a lot of people it's it's tough to understand what's going on because he's playing with all these forms and it's really complex because he's dealing with his mother's death uh, trying to make sense of the world without her and so this. A lot at play there. Uh but a collection like Half Inch Hamanayas is I think the perfect uh place to start if you want to if someone wants to like explore its poetry, really. Right.
0: Speaking of his mom, his mom dies. He grieves. How does grief change him? And or like what was his grieving process? And it's ironic, I it's in a twisted, ironic faith he suffers the same deaths that his mom does. Right. No, I
1: would really think, I mean, he was really close to his mother and yeah. she shaped him, like, you know, she really, like, she was the person who really shaped him, like, this uh, side of him who, uh, and, I mean, you know, um, Shahid, I think, got to know about his mother's condition in 96, 90, 95, 96, and she was brought to the US, and uh, so he knew that she was going to die and yeah. eventually, when she passed away, I think it, it it really broke him. I mean, uh, I think for he he said in one of the interviews that for a year he couldn't write. Uh, that was the sort of effect that uh, his mother's death had had on him. And uh, his mother's last wish was that uh, that that she wanted to be buried in Kashmir. So, I mean, there's this whole like poem that he writes about, uh, he writes about it in one of the poems, uh, From Amos to Kashmir. So uh, they had to get the body back from Amos to Kashmir. And he talks about the entire journey and the collection rooms are never finished finally came out in 2001. So it took about a year year or one and a half years to like really deal with uh, the loss. And I mean, when you read the collection, I mean, I didn't really have to like talk to people to understand uh, what he was going through because it's so evident from the collection itself. Even though, I mean, yes, a lot of people added to you know some of the things, and there were the, like, there were these stories that they would tell me about uh, that phase. But a lot of it is just evident from the poems. Um, I think when I think the first poem that he wrote after his mother's death was the first poem in Rooms I Never Finished, which is. Lenox Hill, where she was, uh, the name of the hospital, where uh, she was in New York. Um, and it's a really tough form, the canzone. It's one of the toughest forms uh, of poetry. Um, at the time when Shahid was writing these canzones, uh, I think Anthony, the poet Anthony Hecht had uh, said that Shahid should be given a Guinness uh, World like, Record or something to for writing like three uh, canzones because no one in the history of poetry had like done that, uh, I think at that point. And uh, I mean, really that form helped Shahid approach, you know, uh, his father's death in so many ways because it gave him this sort of distance. And I mean, eventually uh, then in the, in 99, when Shahid got to know about his own condition, uh, in one of the interviews, he actually said that you know, um, in so many ways, he felt that uh, his 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 brain tumor was sort of this response to his mother's death. So he'd said that in one of the interviews. And even though, like, you know, uh, uh, science uh, tells us that it is not a hereditary disease, or I mean, it's it's not a condition that can be passed on. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, like, the question here is, like, you know if one believes in like the separation between the body and the mind, or if you think that it is, you know, one thing, and then that, you know, an event like this, the passing away of, you know, someone who you love so deeply can cause uh, a reaction, like, and, and it can like, you know, sort of like, uh, have this impact on you or affect you in a certain way. So, I mean, really that was a very tough phase for him. Uh, also because, uh, In 1997, I think Iqbal Ahmed was his very good friend. Uh, He passed away. And in 1995, James Merrill, who considered, uh, you know, who Shahid loved his works. And uh, I think he was one of the, for Shahid, I think he was one of the most important poets. And he'd gotten in touch with him and they were really good friends. And in 1995, Merrill had passed away. So there were these three sort of like three deaths uh, year after year that he had to sort of deal with. And eventually when, it, when uh, I think he writes about all of them in his poem, A Dream I'm at the Ghat of the Only World, where he sort of like evokes everyone. Uh, and even like, I think, Begum Akhtar. So it's sort of like, you know, I think Amitabh Ghosh had said this to me that, uh, I mean, when his friends read it, when all of those people read that poem, they sort of like, you know, the first reaction was that, that this is sort of like Shahid's farewell to the world. Because when you really read the poem, you, you, you can sense that. And you can see why at that specific time when they were aware of Shahid's condition and Shahid was reading out this poem about all the people who were close to him and all of them had passed away, uh, why uh, all of them would feel that way. And so it was a really, you know, tough time for him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah.
0: he His mom is buried in Kashmir. and And for someone who, you know... I was surprised to find that he wanted to be buried in the U S what was, what was the reason why he wanted to be buried in the U S and not, you know, Kashmir? No, so
1: he, he, he really, uh, no, no, no. So he wanted to be buried in Kashmir for the first okay. time. Like that okay. was the, that was what he wanted. But the thing was that he'd experienced the entire journey, uh, uh you know, from the U S to Kashmir, like you have to take the body and it's a very, uh, I mean, he'd experienced that and he felt that, well, you know, I've lived in the U S for so long. So, I mean, when he, when he thought about his family and all that they had to go through, yeah. he finally, I think decided that, you know, uh, just it'll be, like, you know, it, 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 you don't really have to take me all the way back to Kashmir and then do all of that. Like, you know, just bury me in like uh, Northampton. And then, uh, and he was actually, uh, I mean, um, yeah. So that, I think that was the reason, even though, like, you know, Shahid never talked about it himself. So uh, that's, 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 I think what I understand uh, uh, from all the conversations that I've had with his friends and family, that it was a decision that he took way off, like when he was aware of his uh, imminent death and uh, yeah. yeah. Who are you going to write about next? Oh, I think climate change. Definitely. I've been, I've been reading a lot about climate change. and I mean, today, I mean, I was watching this entire thing uh, in the Gulf of Mexico, where the sea, where the ocean cotton fire. I don't know. Yeah, right now. that, but I'm, I mean, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it really, I think, uh, and it's been on my mind for a very long time. And I think I feel like I must respond to it in one way or another, even though like there are scientists and like people who are like doing all the research. I think that's it's a very pressing issue that I feel that. Um, you know one can write about and one can talk about it to generate more awareness to maybe like you know, do something more but I mean it's still a very nascent idea and still like sort of like working around it and what to do and how to approach it because it's really so complex I mean I've been reading so much and uh, there are so many different like approaches that people have taken so it's it's really a question of uh, what sort of uh, what aspect do I want to explore because if you really start to explore the entire thing it's, it's, it's very difficult and I think Naomi Klein has done that uh, in her book. Uh, this yeah. changes everything, which is just a brilliant, brilliant work.
0: I think Amitav about, Ghosh uh, talks a lot about climate change yeah. in, his, in his yeah director. in the great
1: Great Arrangement, and uh, I mean, and and especially his fiction. I mean, it's now like you know it's taking a turn where he's talking about climate change and uh, how that's leading to like migration, and uh, so he's exploring all of that. So it's 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 really like a, a complex thing that I'm like trying to understand now to sort of like you know explore uh in the future so let's see how that how that goes but uh
0: yeah so, I, I really really enjoyed the book well, <laughs>
1: like okay. thank you yeah. so much
0: thank you so much okay. take
1: care thank you thank you for All your well. time awesome. thank you, thank Bye. you.